1: Hello and welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. I'm your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland styles. And today, we finally have this week's podcast, the preview of the Lions game. It usually comes out before Thursday Night Football, but some things happened this week that delayed it till Friday, but better late than never. So let's preview the Lions game on this one. Let's preview the NFL weekend ahead on this one and also take in your suggestions with ruling on the field, your NFL opinions, and say if I agree or disagree with you. We have two today. Uh, You can always send those in on Twitter at Rylan underscore Stiles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. And it's also in the description of whatever podcast form you are listening to this on. So first... Let's talk about some Chiefs overall news. Three quick things. First of all, Adam Scheffner says that he wouldn't be surprised if Patrick Mahomes got over $200 million. Now, he was not reporting that that is the going rate. He was simply saying he would not be surprised if that happened. He wasn't reporting that that's what what Mahomes is asking for. He wasn't reporting that that's what the Chiefs are willing to do. He was just speculating and being a media member for a second that, This would not surprise him if it happened. It wouldn't surprise me either. And I think that if you're Kansas City, if you're the Chiefs, if you're Clark Hunt and Andy Reid and that staff, you have to be prepared to make him a $200 million man or above that. You have to give him whatever it is that he asks you for. You have to give him a blank check and say, fill this out with whatever you want and we'll move on from there. We'll figure out the rest. And we talked about this all off season, so that's not much to talk about here. If you want to know more in-depth of what we think, you can go and listen to the summer episodes of the Aero podcast. But in short, I don't care what he gets paid. Just pay him and keep him as a chief and figure the rest out because he's one of those quarterbacks who it doesn't matter what you put around him. He's going to make it work. He can make Brian Pringle, Demarcus Robinson, and Garrick Dieter work if he has to. So whatever it's going to cost you, you have to keep Mahomes. Uh, so that topic is out of the way. Damian Williams missed his uh, all practices this week. He missed Wednesday, Thursday, all the practices. He's going to miss the second straight game, I think. I don't think there's a way he's going to play on Sunday in Detroit without practicing at all this week. So that is a little bit concerning because you don't really know the extent of his injury. But... I still feel comfortable with this running back room. Darryl Williams stepped up big last week. Darwin Thompson has shown flashes throughout the preseason and regular season a little bit of being a NFL caliber back. And then Sean McCoy seems like he's going to gut it out. He's also banged up, but he seems like he's going to give it a go again on Sunday. We saw him uh, try it again last Sunday, and he played very well uh, in his limited action on Sunday against the Ravens. Uh, you know, Going into that, I thought he was going to have a pitch count on him. I thought he was going to have way less curious than he did, but he ended up playing very well on Sunday in the time that he got into the game. The biggest topic around the chiefs right now, and it ties into the Lions preview. So we'll start that right now. They play the Lions at noon on Fox. If you didn't know the over under is set at 55 and the spread right now is Kansas city minus six and a half on the road. But the biggest topic around Kansas city right now, if you listen to Kansas city radio, read articles Everything around Kansas City right now is about Frank Clark. And did the Chiefs overpay? Did the Chiefs make the wrong move? We are three weeks into the season. It's too early to say whether the Chiefs did or did not make the wrong move. However, he has played terribly in the first three games. Terribly in terms of his own expectations. In terms of the expectations that the Chiefs have for him that we as fans and, and the media have for him, and that he himself, I'm sure, has for himself. He has not looked like a dominant pass rusher. And you you can say he's been double-teamed if you want to. That's not really the case at all. But you can say that, and you can argue that. But Aaron Donald gets gets double-teamed. J.J. Watt gets double-teamed. Elite pass rushers get double-teamed. And yet they still find a way to at least get a pressure on the quarterback, not even necessarily a sack, but just a pressure and make your presence felt. Frank Clark has not been able to do that. He has not been able to do that this year. His presence has not has not been known in any of these games this year. You haven't once looked up on your television and said, wow, that right there is exactly why the Chiefs paid Frank Clark. It hasn't happened yet. That doesn't mean it's not going to happen, but as of right now, as of this date right here, the Friday before the Lions game at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, that moment has not happened yet. The moment that the Chiefs thought was going to happen, whenever they gave him a huge contract and gave away a first-round pick for him and chose him over Chris Jones, because I don't think that there's a way you can pay both Frank Clark and Chris Jones' tremendous contracts while also balancing out the rest of your roster whenever we just mentioned that you might need to give $200 million to Patrick Mahomes alone. So all in all, for all intents and purposes, they have sided with Frank Clark. They have chosen him over Chris Jones, and it does not seem to be paying off yet. But again, we're in week three. Things can change quickly as he learns the system more, gets more into football shape, gets a feel for the game more, and gets back in the groove of things, things can change quickly for Frank Clark. So I'm not ready to write him off just yet, but that's a topic that's gone around Chiefs Twitter and media and, and everything around there, so I wanted to, to get that out there that I agree that he has not lit up to the hype whatsoever. He has not been the player he was in Seattle whatsoever. But it's too early to say that he will not be that in Kansas City. As for the overall Lions... First of all, it's going to be Patrick Mahomes' first game in a dome. And that's going to be fun to watch. This offense with this speed is going to be fun to watch on a turf and on a controlled environment. You saw it in the preseason last year against Atlanta when he threw a 79-yard touchdown to Tyreek Hill. It's incredible to watch teams that have this speed and that arm talent at quarterback play in a dome. So I'm very excited for that aspect of things. However... In order for that offense to be exciting and that offense to be clicking, the offensive line without Eric Fisher, again, has to hold their own against a very talented Lions front seven. You start naming them off. Now, it doesn't look like Mike Daniels will play. Mike Daniels is a part of this front seven, but he's missed Thursday practice, and normally when you miss the Thursday practice before game day, it's not a good sign, and it's not looking like you're going to play. But if he does play, it makes this uh, front seven even better, headlined by Trey Flowers and and Damian Harrison, they're going to get after Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes has, helped, has felt pressure every single week this season, no matter if Eric Fisher played or didn't play. And now Eric Fisher's out of the game. That's worrisome. And that's the trepidation of laying the Chiefs minus six and a half. That's the trepidation of picking the Chiefs to win this game, is because the Lions' strength, what they geared their entire team towards this offseason, was that pass rush. That's what they went all in on. That's what they wanted to be great at. The Chiefs want to be great at passing the football. The Lions want to be great at rushing the passer. They put all of their eggs in the pass rushing basket, and your weakest link, the weakest portion of your team, right up there with cornerback, is offensive line. So that does not feel good heading into these games. That does not feel very reassuring. So you really need to see the Chiefs' offensive line with Cam Irving, who's a god-awful, and his two games that he's played in. You really need to see this offensive line shape up and perform better against the Lions, or else this game could very easily go in favor of Detroit, who's already upset the Chargers. And from there, who knows what can happen for Detroit if they get two, two upsets over two good AFC West teams. Arguably great AFC West teams. In order for that not to happen, your offensive line has to slow down Trey Flowers and Damian Harrison. And oh yeah, they have Darius Slay, who's no slouch in the secondary, who's going to take away probably Sammy Watkins. So now you're relying on Mecole Hardman, Demarcus Robinson, and Travis Kelsey. While having a pass rush beam down your franchise quarterback, who's already dealt with a bum ankle throughout the season. If there's ever an upset, this looks like it could be it. On paper, it looks like it's setting up for the upset of the weekend. The shock of the weekend. Which is why it's surprising that the Chiefs are favored by almost a touchdown. That's the biggest key to this game. is to slow down the Lions' front seven. In fact, the biggest key to this game is on both sides of the football, the front sevens. You have to figure out a way to to add an extra blocker, chip your running back, do whatever you need to do to keep Mahomes upright and keep this offense flowing. You have to figure out how to stop this line's front seven. And you have to get your front seven going on your own. You need to get guys like Chris Jones, Frank Clark, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, passing yo, guys like that rushing the passer. You have to get them making Matt Stafford uncomfortable, knocking them off their spots shutting down the running it's carry on johnson your front seven's going to be huge in this game and their front seven is the strength of their team and so you need to slow that down you need to take that away let's predict the offensive and defensive mvps for this game on offense i'm sticking with nikol hardman i've picked him i think almost every game i think i only didn't pick him in one week so far this year i'm picking nikol hardman because it's a turf game and that speed is going to be electric And I think that Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes feel more comfortable now with him running that Tyreek Hill role exclusively, with him getting all of those looks and the motion, orbit offense, and the downfield post routes and the long developing routes. They feel more comfortable with that, especially on turf, especially indoors in a controlled environment, and especially now that they need somebody to step up. I think he's going to have the biggest game of his career, which obviously isn't saying much for a rookie, but I think he's going to have a huge game this week. And get a lot of people talking. Predicting the defensive MVP, I'm going to go with Chris Jones. Because this front seven is going to be crucial in how this game goes. Your front seven, which was what we all expected to happen this year, was to have your front seven of Chris Jones and Frank Clark tag teaming help your secondary. When you get to the quarterback, when you create pressure, it turns a terrible secondary into a below average one or a below-average secondary into a mediocre one, or a mediocre secondary into an above-average one, or an above-average secondary into a good one, and so on and so on and so on. The front seven is key for not only getting sacks and all the pretty stats, but for helping your secondary, which, again, is 1A, 1B, your worst unit right now, along with your offensive line. So they've got to get pressure on Matt Stafford, and they have to figure it out. Chris Jones was better last week. He was he was more impactful last week than he has been in recent weeks. He's got to get it going this week and just kind of get back in the flow of things because last year you saw him as a dominant force, and fans were ready to pay him, and so was I. As a dominant force on this front seven, he's got to get back to that along with Frank Clark, and then Passigno can chip in, and from there it just kind of snowballs into a very good defense whenever you comb that in. Kendall Fuller and the Honey Badger mixed with that front seven pressure. That could be a, a good defense that can get you over the hump, but it starts with that front seven. This defense has played surprisingly well. Save a few jump balls from Lamar Jackson, which we talked about on the rap, on the uh, rapid reaction show, where he just got bailed out. He, he threw terrible footballs. He threw terrible balls. He had terrible decision-making, but he got bailed out because the Chiefs' secondary is so bad, and they couldn't make a single play on the football. This defense has played well, surprisingly well, especially in the last two weeks against the Raiders and the the Ravens. The Raiders and the Ravens game has been very good. So how do you build on that is by getting this pass rush to get going and to play effectively and to play at the level that we all thought they were going to play at entering the year. And that helps your secondary, which has been obviously terrible. I mean, your secondary includes Tavarius Ward. Not a good look. Not a good roster construction. So the prediction for this game, after all of that, after sounding the alarms, the prediction for this game is Chiefs are going to win 31-17. Because I do not think that this front seven of the Lions that's so great, which I've admitted that it is, can keep that pace up with this Chiefs defense. No one has been able to yet. Not even Bill Belichick has been able to keep his defense at the pace that it needs to be to slow down the Chiefs for an entire game. So eventually the Chiefs were bust through. And I don't think that the Lions have enough firepower to match Patrick Mahomes. And we've seen this Chiefs defense surprisingly shore up, giving up 10 points early, even, you know, 20 points early and then figuring it out and tightening down and playing good football. Again, the scoreboard last week against the Ravens does not really play fairly into the defense if you watch that game they played a lot better than the stats show the stats were not indicative of how that defense played and I think that they have an even easier task this week against the Lions so that's my prediction Chiefs 31 Lions 17 give me your predictions at Rylan underscore styles and now let's move into ruling on the field if you're just joining us for the first time ruling on the field of a segment that I debuted last week where you send me your hot takes about the NFL or even just normal opinions about the NFL or the Chiefs and or the Chiefs and all say if they're overturned, which means I do not agree with you, or they stand, the call on the field stands, which means I obviously do agree with you. So let's start with Ryan Murphy, at rymur72 on Twitter. He says, any trade for a top-tier cornerback that involves moving Kendall Fuller along with future draft picks weak weakens the defensive back group as a whole and is not worth it. This ruling on the field stands. And I don't know if anyone would push back on this. If you take away Kendall Fuller and implement Jalen Ramsey, you're in the same situation that you are right now. You have one good cornerback and Trevorius Ward. That's not good enough. Jalen Ramsey on that Chiefs defense—I mean, excuse me—Jalen Ramsey on that Jaguars defense is not good enough right now. Now he himself is a very good player. That defense, though, is not good enough. The Chiefs still carve them up, and they have much more talent on paper than the Chiefs do. In order to improve this secondary group, you must keep Kendall Fuller because, as he moves down the order. As you implement a Jalen Ramsey, or whoever you may trade for, but let's just say it's Jalen Ramsey for right now. As you implement a Jalen Ramsey, as you bring back a Maurice Claiborne from suspension, Kendall Fuller goes from being your number one cornerback to number two or three. And then in terms of defensive backs, he goes from number two behind Honey Badger to three, four, or or, around that range of three and four. And now we have a whole new light on Kendall Fuller. And that's why he looked so good in Washington. In Washington, his pro football focus numbers were incredible. And I told you when the trade happened on Twitter that that was a mirage. Because he was not defending elite wide receivers. The way the Chiefs are having to ask him to do because he's the Chiefs' best cornerback. He was protected by Josh Norman, who is overrated in his own right, but he still got the number one assignments. Brashad Breeland got the number two assignments in Washington, and he was terrible at it, but he still got the number two assignments. And so that left Kendall Fuller in the slot against the third or fourth best wide receiver, and he looked pretty good against them because he's a pretty good cornerback. But he never drew the number one and number two receivers, and that's why he looked so good in Washington. So you can put him back in that role if you keep him. But again, if you trade him for Jalen Ramsey or any other elite cornerback, I agree, that's stupid because you're in the same boat you are now. Patrick Peterson, any cornerback is not going to be good enough to be tag-teamed with Traverius Ward or Bashad Breland or Maurice Claiborne. You need Kendall Fuller to stay in the fold because I feel comfortable with a Patrick Peterson, a Jalen Ramsey, one of the two. Kendall Fuller and Maurice Claiborne as a, as a cornerback group, and then add in Honey Badger as the jack of all Traits uh, DB. That's, that's a lot more comfortable. But again, if you take Kendall Fuller off of that list, you're in the same situation that you're in right now. So I agree. The ruling on the field for Ryan Murphy stands as called. The next one and the last one is from Kalen Wayne, at Kalen Wayne on Twitter. If Mason Rudolph... Plays very well this season. Has Big Ben played his final down in Pittsburgh? The ruling on the field is overturned for Kalen Wayne, and let me tell you why. I don't—I think what you're getting at is that this is what you would do. If Mason Rudolph plays well, let's just go ahead and go with the youth movement, and I agree with you. That's what I would do. I believe that Mason Rudolph is a pretty quality young quarterback. He can get you that Kirk Cousins vibe. Kirk Cousins started his career in Washington. He wasn't the Kirk Cousins that he is today, which is still a terrible quarterback. But it's well above when he first started in Washington. When he took over for RG3 the first time, he was awful. He was dreadful. But then you get him comfortable in the NFL. You put Deshaun Jackson and Pierre Garçon around him with Jordan Reed mixed in. He looks like a good quarterback. He's throwing for 4,000 yards. He's getting you to the playoffs once. He looks better than he is. I think Mason Rudolph, with Juju Smith-Schuster, James Conner, and another piece, can look like a solid quarterback who ends up getting overpaid in the open market, which, putting that back into perspective, is good enough. And it leaves you in that purgatory of, okay, well, Mason Rudolph is good enough, but he's not exactly Patrick Mahomes. He's not exactly a quarterback that's going to take you over the hump. So Mason Rudolph himself, I think, can be a starter in this league. I think he can be a starter in this league that creates problems for front offices because they're not sure should they move on from him or should they keep him. But to your question about Big, Big Ben, no. And it's not because that's the right decision. It's because I think that Pittsburgh is one of those organizations that will let Big Ben, like the Giants did with Eli Manning, come back until he's literally just awful. If you watched him last year and, and this year before he got hurt, he looked bad. He looked like a bad quarterback. Simple as that. He looked like a bad quarterback. But he's Big Ben. He has the name talent. He has the the stardom in that city, the stardom in that organization, to where it's, it's almost blasphemy to, to, to talk bad about him. But he played terrible. Mason Rudolph had that offense moving more than he did whenever he first went out. I think Mason Rudolph can develop into a very good quarterback who should dethrone Big Ben. But I think that Pittsburgh will let Big Ben hang on and hang on and hang on until they get in a situation like the Giants are in right now, where you've wasted three to four years. Because I don't think that Big Ben's going to retire. I think he's already said that he's not going to. As long as he's still an active player, the Steelers are not going to part ways with him. There are very few organizations in sports who are cutthroat. The Colts were cutthroat with Peyton Manning. He got hurt, he had neck surgery, and they said, you know what, thank you Peyton, but goodbye, we're going to draft Andrew Luck. And then Peyton Manning had one of the best NFL seasons in his career in Denver, won two Super Bowls, and there you go. Got the two Super Bowls and won one, and there you go. And Andrew Luck was the best NFL quarterback prospect that we've ever seen. He, unfortunately, had injury issues and we know how that all ended up. But the Colts are one of the few that's ever made that cutthroat move. Not many organizations will go against their franchise guy in any sport. Look at the Mavericks. Dirk Nowitzki hasn't been a good NBA player in two or three seasons. Not even an elite one. Not even the level that he was once at, an MVP but a good one. He's been average or below for three or four seasons, actually. But he's hung on because it's Dallas, and he made that franchise, so go on ahead and and hold on as much as you want to. The Thunder even did this with Nick Collison, who I'm sure many Chiefs fans are familiar with, given his playing time with the Jayhawks. They even did this with with Nick Collison, letting him sit on the bench With coaches, decisions, DNPs, for two years, for no reason. Just taking up a roster spot. The Heat are doing this with Yaz Haslam. We see this in every sport where they let the franchise guy, almost as a thank you, hold on for too long. Again, the Giants and Eli Manning is a prime example of what's going to happen with Big Ben in Pittsburgh, I think. So the ruling on the field is overturned simply because I do not think that the Steelers are going to be a cutthroat organization. I mean, they've held on to Mike Tomlin, for God's sake. For what? because he won a Super Bowl with, with Bill Coward's players. Anyway, overturned, but I do think that your point is that Mason Rudolph can play very well and, and, and can play well enough to dethrone Big Ben in a microscope, and I agree with that. I think that Mason Rudolph can prove in this last stretch of games you know, throughout the season into October, November, December, that he can be better and he is better than current-day Big Ben. So I agree with you on the premise, but... I don't think in practice that the Pittsburgh Steelers will actually bench Ben Roethlisberger. So let's preview this NFL weekend. The Eagles beat the uh, Packers last night on Thursday Night Football. It's actually a pretty good Thursday night game, which is very rare, uh, but very good nonetheless. So let's start the preview for this weekend on Sunday at noon. Patriots at Buffalo. Patriots seven-point favorites against the undefeated Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills are undefeated, but I don't think they're very good. I think that they are fool's gold and surely not good enough to beat the Patriots. Give me the Patriots minus the 7 and the Patriots to win outright, obviously. Browns at Ravens. Give me the Browns plus 7 in this one on the, against the spread, but the Ravens to win this football game. I've been on the Browns hype train since before the season started. If you listen to the season preview, you know that. If you listen to the summer's conversations, you know that. However, I cannot pick them to win this football game in Baltimore as a seven-point underdog. But I do think that it's going to be close, and I do think that they're going to cover the seven points. Panthers at Texans. Kyle Allen looks incredible in Arizona. Now he travels to Houston to take on Deshaun Watson and the Texans. Texans favored by four points. I'll go ahead and lay the four points and pick Houston in this one. Raiders at Colts. Raiders look like a disaster. Colts with Jacoby Brissett are a seven-point favorite. This number is a stay-away number for me. I trust the Colts to win this game outright. I know for a fact they're going to win this game outright. However, I cannot trust them to win by more than a touchdown. Do I think that they will? Yes. Do I trust it enough to put money on it? No. So that's why I'm staying away from from the spread, but I'm taking the Colts outright. Chargers, minus 15 at Miami. Again, this is a stay-away line for me. Not because Miami's incredible. They, they held Dallas for a half, but then they got blown out again. What the, the, my trouble is in picking this game is that the Chargers are not a team who puts the foot on the gas. For some reason, they're always in a situation where Phillip Rivers, with no timeouts, has to drive down the field and score a touchdown. That's always a situation that they put themselves in. They always have to do that in order to win a football game. Again, no matter who they're playing, they could be playing a high school team in San Diego, and they'd have the same result. So I can't trust them to win by more than 15 points in Miami. That's a, again, and then then just not even to mention the travel that goes into that going from San Diego or LA, excuse me, to Miami. They really should just go back to San Diego because I'm never going to, I'm never going to stop calling them San Diego. Anyway, Titans at Falcons. Who would want to watch this game? I mean, seriously, Titans are a god awful team to watch. Falcons are boring, but they're three and a half point favorites. I'm taking the Falcons plus uh, minus the three and a half. Redskins at Giants, Daniel Jones slinging the pillow around last week, making a historic comeback over the Buccaneers. I'm taking the Giants minus two, even without Saquon Barkley, because the Redskins are a dumpster fire and they're still starting Case Keenum. And you already know my feelings about the Redskins. They're just an awful random organization. They're cursed from above. And Daniel Snyder is just an idiot. But I'm taking the Giants minus two in this one. Going to win the game outright and I think dominate the Washington Redskins. Daniel Jones looks pretty good. Bucks at Rams, Rams minus nine and a half. I'm staying away from this game totally in terms of the point spread, but I am taking the Rams to win outright. Uh, If I had to take a bet, I'd take bucks plus nine and a half because I think that this game is going to be a little bit closer than you think. The Rams are going to be looking ahead to playing Seattle on Thursday Night Football. They're going to be looking ahead to that divisional matchup against a very good division rival who always plays them close and tough. I want to see... How this game unfolds if I had to pick a side again, plus nine and a half for the Bucks, but I'm taking the Rams outright. Speaking of the Seahawks, Seahawks at Cardinals, Seahawks minus five and a half against Kyler Murray and the Cardinals, who have, you know, really kept a lot of teams in check. They tied with the Lions, they tied with the Lions, and then they kept it close with Baltimore. I'm taking the Seahawks minus the five and a half. At some point, the Seahawks just have to bust out of this slump of of losing and barely beating teams. Uh, and all that jazz. I'm taking the Seahawks minus five and a half. Vikings at Bears. Bears minus two. Give me the Bears. I'll lay the two points. Kirk Cousins is an atrocious quarterback who makes awful decisions and will cost this team the game by more than a field goal. Jaguars at Broncos. Broncos minus three. The home field advantage is worth three points and I'll take it here again in Denver. It's a hard place to play. No Jalen Ramsey. Gardner Minshew's time in the sun has been incredibly fun. But I don't think it's enough to beat the Broncos in that environment. Cowboys at Saints. Cowboys minus two and a half on Sunday night football. Give me that line right now. If this line creeps up further than than maybe five and a half, further than six, I might stay away from it because that is a tough place to play. Even though the Cowboys are a, a much better football team, that's a tough place to play the Superdome, especially in prime time. But right now, I love this pick. That is my lock of the week. Cowboys minus two and a half. All they got to do is win by a field goal. I love that pick. My Night Football, Bengals at Steelers. Steelers minus three and a half. Give me Mason Rudolph and the Slinging Steelers to cover the spread here and win the game outright. My lock of the week this week, again, is Cowboys minus two and a half at Saints. If I had to pick a couple more, it'd be Bears minus the two against the Vikings. And last but not least, Giants minus the two against the Redskins. So those are my locks of the week. I'm very confident in all of those games I just picked. For you, especially the locks, though. I mean, goodness gracious, Kirk Cousins is awful. The Redskins are awful. And then Dak and, and, the, and the Cowboys are playing great football right now. So I'm very comfortable with all of those locks of the week. We did an entire preview episode in 30 minutes. How in the world did that go through so smoothly? Usually these things take like an hour or so. How about that, though? You can get at me on Twitter at Ryland underscore styles and tell me your locks of the week. Uh, tell me if you've been actually taking my advice, because if you have, I feel sorry for you. You can send in the ruling on the field that you may or may not have. Again, it's just sending me your NFL hot takes or chiefs hot takes. So they can even just be normal opinions. And I'll tell you if I agree or disagree with you. Uh, again, you can also tweet me your predictions for this week's game. And if you think Frank Clark has lived up to the hype or not, thank you all for listening. The Podcast has been extremely fun to host and produce and, and have the content come out of it. The interaction on Twitter has been very good. A bunch of people have DM'd me so far this week asking where the podcast is at, and that makes me very happy to know that you guys actually want to hear this and want to listen to it. Um, you can mention me on Twitter. You can DM me on Twitter. My DMs are open. Whatever you want to do to get in contact with me to tell me what you like about the show, what you don't like about the show, and any input you might have for the show. But again, the reception... From the fans of the Chiefs Kingdom has been incredible for our show. I greatly appreciate it. It's more than we even thought that would happen and even generate. So Chiefs Kingdom always comes out to support everything Chiefs related. We appreciate that. You can go to airheadact.com and read all the great articles there. We have you know predictions for this week's game with a roundtable and film reviews, game recaps, which I handle and I think I do a decent job at game recaps but you know it's up for you to decide you can read all those articles on airheadact.com great work there by everybody on the site again follow me on twitter at Ryland underscore styles it's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S we'll be back for the rapid reaction podcast right after the game on Sunday against the Lions to preview not preview to recap everything that happened in a short burst of just our immediate raw emotions it's always a fun show to do right out of the gate Uh, Next week, we'll be back to two shows a week and at a normal time, not on a Friday whenever you're trying to rush to listen to the podcast before the game. So we appreciate everyone who's listening to this podcast right now. We appreciate everyone's support on this thing. Be good and be good to one another. We'll see you on Sunday after the Lions game.